Hey, it's Bobby. And Jared. And we are here on the Frankincense Podcast. We are glad to have you with us. Um, it is, uh, man, just another quarantine edition. Another quarantine edition. <laughs> and uh, I think today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how we keep sane, you know, without our daily routines. Uh, you, you and I have both experienced a few family birthdays through this quarantine, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. My well, my daughter's birthday was uh, just a couple of days ago, yesterday. Well, well, well yeah. we're recording on Thursday, so yeah, so it was on on Wednesday. Yeah, which is cool. My wife's birthday was this this Monday, so uh, and it was a be- it was a beautiful day. My goodness, but not a day that we could share with family and friends. And I think it's you know worth remarking on that right now. You know to. This is how it is, you know. Yeah, it's just a new normal. It's weird, man. It's all. It's all. It's gonna be. I think as long as yeah. we, as long as we keep recording like this, it's gonna. We're, I think they're gonna repeatedly say this is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is just weird, but it's a new normal. But I hope a, a temporary normal. But it is. It is fascinating to me, and I'll get into it a little bit later. How how quickly we can adapt to the to the rule change you know it's like the whole the whole culture sort of flipped upside down but we sort of kept uh we sort of kept uh, our, our tactics you know so yeah. uh, but i want to talk about uh about you trolling uh <laughs> governor jim justice all right for, for those who do not live in west virginia you know i mean he's our guy okay making fun of him because he's our guy you know you may you know how you can make fun of your own uh your own brother but no one else can <laughs> right right jim, jim justice is our guy uh you know i've 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 impersonated his voice on this very podcast uh pretty much as as boss hog from the dukes of hazard <laughs> but which has uh, been great by the way a I, couple of yeah two or three weeks ago i've lost count two or three weeks ago when he wanted to announce the uh the, the complete like stay at home order, right? Do you remember that? Yeah. He didn't quite announce it. He came out on a Saturday, and everybody was waiting to hear him sort of put us in lockdown uh, to follow suit with like Ohio and Virginia. And he didn't actually do that that day. And I'm telling you, the next day, the social media posts were amazing. The entire state was united in making fun of Governor Jim Justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he left some comedic gold, man. I mean, for for a comedian, for uh, yeah, for people who like to write jokes, man, it was just it was really just perfect, perfect for us to just jump on. He leaves it hanging out there, and you know we kind of need this now because you know stand up comedy's not happening, you know, uh, you know, out in the world like it should, and uh, you know the the nightly monologue of the uh, late night show. Uh, late night interview talk show isn't quite what it used to be right now, you know. So we all need a little bit of this humor that you're bringing. But Bobby, I want to compliment you. So you're watching these live daily briefings, right? Like <coughs> governor and president has a live daily briefing, right? Each of them, I think, you know. Um, and they're bringing on different guests to talk about what's going on with coronavirus. It's it's everybody's favorite show, um, you know. I mean, we we thought we thought we liked the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, back in the '90s. It was nothing compared to this, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> the governor justice is here, and I see that you actually post on the uh, Facebook Live. Um, 
I'm able to take my kids to the park. Can I get federal disaster relief for their bedrooms? <laughs> That's what I'm calling comedy gold. All right. And then he brings on the czar, right? What kind of czar is this? It's the COVID-19 czar, the one that – he's the doctor. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But uh, he okay, – I haven't, I haven't been following the daily briefings. Is he the West Virginia – COVID-19 czar, or is he the uh, national uh, Trump administration? No, he's the coronavirus czar. He's the West Virginia national, or he's the West Virginia COVID-19 czar. He worked for WVU Hospital, I guess, and um, and and Injustice made a really big deal about the fact that he's like, oh, I've never been able to appoint a czar before. And he's like, now I get to make one. He's like, so you're you're a czar. And so he's like, so it's kind of funny. I got to be honest with you. First time I saw this guy's picture, I thought he was Patrick Stewart from <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation. So many people, or uh, you know, yeah, or Professor X, depending on what kind of nerd you are. But uh, you wrote, "You're not a czar uh, without a fancy fur hat and a beard. Step up your game." <laughs> so I looked at, <laughs> and I admit he would look pretty good like that. Uh, and then uh, you, you said uh, on the same day you, you wrote on there. I blame this on whoever gave the okay to say we're open for business. <laughs> yeah, that was a that goes, that goes back a couple of governors. I don't think Jim Justice said open for business. That that might have been a, a mansion. You yeah, know? that was mansion. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was Manchin. I, I like I like Manchin with the governor, but that, that slogan right there, we were like, whoa, 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 that's got to go. But uh, speaking of being open for business, do you remember just a couple of months ago we were talking about how uh, <laughs> Governor Justice and Jerry Falwell Jr. had said, uh, "Hey, uh, let's get some of these Virginia counties to defect to West Virginia." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that we'd still be willing to take those Virginia counties now in, in light of the uh, coronavirus? We would take them, but they'd be under quarantine for 14 days before we fully accept them. Good answer. I think that's the only way to do it. So, yeah. all right. I, you know, and for those who don't remember, you know, I'm just, I'm just a, uh, kind of goofing around here to relieve, relieve some of the tension of, of the existential dread we're all facing. But, you know, I'm just goofing now, but, you know, uh, the, 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 the idea to bring those Virginia counties in was because of, you know, part of it was, you know, gun laws, you know, uh, the restrictor gun laws in Virginia. Right. Um, they were supposedly, according to Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, Virginia was anti-business, you know. And uh, I, I haven't heard a lot out of the gun people about the coronavirus thing. I keep waiting for somebody to say, hey, can't the Second Amendment help us somehow? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little afraid of what the answer to that question might be for some people. So, <laughs> But I will tell you this. Your gun enthusiast friends do want to say something like that. They just can't find the right memes right now. Yeah, they're they're actually in the process of developing bullets small enough to shoot the virus. That's kind of what they're aiming for. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be amazing? They're going to have a bunch of little BB guns, like (laughs) like little pellets that just come out, just like like scatter shot. Yeah. (laughs) Take out all the virus (laughs) virus pieces. Oh, man. Uh, I wish, you know, that sounds very science fiction, but, you know, 
people have talked about creating nanobots to be <laughs> used as antibodies. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah. uh, when people think of like the distant future of medicine, we're talking about like nanobot surgery, nanobot <laughs> antibodies. You know? I look forward to that time. But uh, anyway, uh, and then we're they're showing uh, charts of people who are affected by uh, the coronavirus. And you put on there, have we checked on Betty White? Anyone? <laughs> so, well, I, I know that I know that uh, Governor Justice and the the COVID nineteens are. I know they're not going to see these things, but I just love that other people are seeing them. You know? Yeah, that, I think honestly. So, I think, well, I wrote I wrote one of my personal favorite ones um, that I wrote, and yeah. just I, I don't normally brag on my jokes, but this one I thought was pretty funny. And um, okay, I wrote I feel like they've tricked us back into school graphs. Science, yeah. geography, keeping our mouths off of drinking fountains, you know, the basics. Yeah. That that was one of yeah. my personal favorites. Um, you that know, one was I'm actually looking at that one right now. I've scrolled back through uh, some of your stuff and uh, love it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then we have one uh, We have one on um, President Trump today on Fox News. You were watching uh, some Fox News, like Facebook Live, right? Yeah, it popped up on my on my feed. And... Yeah, and you heard on there, uh, we need to thank Hasbro for creating games like Operation to make up such a powerhouse in healthcare. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned. You know, the thing is, like, so number one, the reason why I do this is because it, it isn't even really to troll necessarily because. Cause I'm, cause yeah, the, I'm sorry. I'm, by the way, I'm sorry for using the word troll. No, I just don't have a better word for what this is. This that, is this is not troll. And that, so. but but that's exactly it. I don't know exactly what the yeah. right terminology would be on this one. But for me, though, like yeah, I'm I'm trying to bring some uh, brevity and and laughter to this situation because because it is it yeah. is it's tense, man. And some of the conversations that people are casting blame. Of course, it goes political. You know, like. Democrats are doing this. Republicans are doing this. Uh, you know, people want to go ahead and say bad things about the president or bad things about the governor. And you know, yeah. I mean, I might crack jokes about the governor. I'm not going to make anything like I'm not going to say anything harsh about him. You know, it, even it, like I might, I might have my own personal views and share them to people, but yeah. I would never, I would never make anything harsh about him on online. No. Because none of this is really – it's not trolling in that sense because it's like you know, none of this is really directed at harming him or his reputation or to cast him in a, in a different light. You know? um, yeah. It's just a little – it's just a little fun. Yeah, know? and um, so, so I want to make some laughter. I want to make people laugh. And so like you know, I've actually yeah. had friends of mine from different states start following his stuff so they can see the comments that I make, which is kind of okay. funny. Um, yeah, but, that's great. But, I think that's awesome. But, um, you know, the thing is, though, too, uh, the other part of it is um, y- what you just said. N- the governor, um, the czar, the president, they're not going to see anything that's on these Facebook Live comments. What people are doing, like, when they're when they're venting on there, they're venting on there because they want to hear other people, like, either support their ideas yeah. or – just know they're not alone, right? And and that's what I'm seeing a lot of. It's like right, I think people right. just want to know that they're not alone. And so, you know, um, I I I'm, I respect people saying some of the things they say and just being very open about them. Um, but at the same time, like I try to find ways to to um, take down that 
that defense and take down that that tension because um, it's not going to be helpful. You know, it's not helpful to be to, to have those kind of things. So, um, you know, and since I know nobody's going to really see them uh, except for people who decide to screenshot them or when I decide to share them yeah. on Facebook because I think it's kind of fun to do that. Um, you know, Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I have to have my outlet, too, as a stand-up comedian or as a budding stand-up comedian anyway. You know, like, I, uh, I, I, have, I have nowhere to perform, and so I'm going to take every opportunity I can to do something. So, <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's – I don't know how many of our listeners know that, um, you know, you, you've been doing a lot of stand-up. And um, have, you had any, have you had any gigs canceled uh, – do you have any upcoming events postponed because of the quarantine? Well, I haven't postponed it yet. Um, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna have to though because um, I had a show on in June coming up at the Wanda yeah. the Wanderlust in Philippi, um, and since they're um, they're shut down right now and they're kind of re- redoing some things, and I, I think I mean my prayer is that they reopen because it's such a great location. I think they're I believe they're going to. And I think they they believe they're going to as well. Um, yeah. but when we'll be able to gather together in those kind of groups, you know, cause I mean, it's a, it's a location that nobody's going to be able to social distance well. So, um, you know, it's, it, and it, yeah. And a lot of my material for this show was built around things that aren't happening anymore, which really frustrates me. Cause it's like, isn't that weird? You know, but is, this is fascinating to me how quickly, uh, life can change, you know, it's just every, you know, it seemed like, um, Mid-March, we were all, you know, mentally resistant to this or resistant to the idea that it was going to go longer than a week or so, you know, yeah. and and now everybody just not that, not that far into it. Three, three and a half weeks later, it just feels like this is life now, you know? Yeah. And that's, what, and that's what's crazy. I mean, you know, when you're writing jokes about like going to the gym, you know, I won't say the jokes on, on here because I'm pretty sure I'll have to, I'll be able to use them again somewhere down the line, but yeah, you but, can <laughs> a bit on a podcast because they're just out there. You know? Right. Right. But writing jokes about the gym or writing jokes about the Olympics and you're like, wait a second, I can't, I can't use any of those, you know, cause they were fitting for this, they were fitting for this year, you know, but, uh, now I'm yeah. like, Oh shoot. Well, um, in theory, the Olympics are going to happen in 2021 and, I, I hope to God they do because George Takei is going to be the torchbearer. He's he's going to he's going to light the Olympic torch. Did oh, you know that? No, I did not know that. That's fantastic. Oh, a personal hero of mine. And guys, listeners, if you don't know George Takei, you know Star Trek. Okay, that's the second Star Trek reference I've worked into this show. I'm I'm impressed with that. By the way, yeah, I didn't have that planned or anything, man. It's just it's in my soul. I have to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of living long and prospering, yes. um, <laughs> let's talk about the lifeboat. I have been fascinated and frustrated at the same time uh, with the amount of social media posting in which people are <laughs> posting that they are such rock stars at living through the quarantine. <laughs> So, uh, have you seen any evidence of this? Um, I'm, I'm share with me some of what you're thinking, and then I'll be okay. able to tell you yes or no. I'll tell you what I'm thinking of. First of all, everybody's got a selfie of themselves in a homemade mask. All right, the homemade, all right, the homemade mask is a good thing. All right, I know it looks like we're we're living in some kind of 
Mad Max hellscape. <laughs> you know, when when you when you post a picture of yourself, you know, saying going out for groceries and you got the mask on. I get it. And by the way, the CDC does recommend the mask. From what I understand, they don't really block the virus. They just keep you from basically like breathing on other people in case you, you're a carrier, right? Uh, I'm assuming, yeah, I think that's right. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100% know. sure. But there, there are videos on the CDC about you can make your own homemade mask. They don't really say that they're very effective. I think it's a little bit of a thing like, hey, dotes, make your own and don't buy all the surgical masks and respirators because we need those for the hospitals, you know? Right. That's basically what the website says, you know? Every once in a while, I go out and I try and get some facts on this thing because I want to know, you know, the cloth mask working. <laughs> By the way, I just want to stop here for a minute and appreciate the irony of, you know, even a year or two ago, there were states in this country that were passing anti-mask laws so that people couldn't cover their faces in public. You right. know, the idea of being, um, uh, you know, Islamophobia and this uh, this idea that anyone whose face is covered is some kind of religious fanatic, you know, and might be a terrorist, you know. Right. And the, we all we all knew who the anti-mask laws were aimed at, the recent ones, you know. We all knew, but they've got that sort of plausible deniability of, no, this can't be racist. Now, they, then it became morally unacceptable to show up in public with your face covered. Now, now, flip the script a little bit, we changed one variable in our lives. <laughs> we introduced a virus into planet Earth, and now it is morally unacceptable to leave the house without a mask and we're all posting selfies of ourselves in our masks like check me out i'm a ninja you know <laughs> well i had um i mean we, we we're like sewing designer masks we like made them i just have to appreciate that for a minute it's like look we're covering our faces and it's cool now and i made a joke to a, a group of pastors because they were talking about so how are you being creative and like you know helping with funding for your churches because you know Churches are taking a large hit in regards to people being able to give and, and, and not being present, so they're not giving as much and that kind of thing. Um, and I was like, dude, it's legal to wear a mask in a bank now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay. Like, and they were like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> if that has changed and stuff, and I, you know, and I, you know, I'm not making fun of that. I mean, <laughs> I, I'll wear a mask if I need to, uh, if I'm going somewhere, but, um, yeah, I, I do want to be respectful of other people's health. We've talked about that. And that's the yes. main thing. But I don't know if that's what this always is for everybody. You know what I mean? A little bit of it is sort of this uh, putting it out there, like, check it out. I'm good at quarantine, you know. Yeah. And uh, then uh, people um, were posting uh, complaints about how too many people go to the store too much. And then they were posting lists. I had a few people. I had to hide these people. They were posting lists, long lists of, you know, the the few times they've left the house, you know, as if to say, look at this. I am the most responsible person in quarantine because I've only <laughs> left my house this many times in the last three weeks. That's the kind of stuff that's going on here. It's sort of like, look at me. Yeah. I'm better than you are. And first of all, you're not actually fooling me, Bobby. If you're posting right now, like, these people leaving their houses, they're sinners. I haven't left my house since March 15th. Well, if you haven't left your house since March 15th, okay, we know that on March 
14th, you were one of the people in the Sam's Club <laughs> hoarding for yourself, clearing the shelves for everyone else. You took the toilet paper. We know it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we said way back then, the time to hoard is not at the beginning of the disaster. You know, if you you got to prepare for disasters long term. You got to build that stuff up gradually. You know, when <laughs> it's a little bit easier. Because if you're just doing it last minute, you're just taking it for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So hoarding it up, but I think what's going on here is a little bit of lifeboat theory. Uh, you're free to disagree with me. You know, we always say on this podcast sometimes we have differing opinions <clears throat> on things. And, we bring a different perspective, I think, you know, mm-hmm. to, to a lot of different issues, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we're on this thing together because we have a good conversation and we agree on, on the basic things, but we did maybe disagree on a lot of the fringe stuff, you know. Yeah. This stuff is not Jesus. So <laughs> uh, I this this book right here, uh, as I say this as if our viewers can see it, but it's called Searching for God Knows What by Donald Miller. It's not a new book. Um, I referenced it last week, and I don't think I gave proper credit to it, but the, this book was out. This book was out in 2004, and it was sort of a follow-up to uh, Donald Miller's most famous book, which was Blue Like Jazz. Uh, did you ever get a chance to read that one? Yes, yeah, Blue Like Jazz is great. Yeah, it's a great book, and it's kind of like, you know, it made it made Donald Miller uh, in that time the darling of just all the Christians who wanted to break down the walls of, you know, this sort of legalism and this pretending that, you know, every Christian is the best, morally best person all the time, you know, that sort of, you know, whitewashed appearance. Yeah, it, uh, it well, really it really introduced the idea of um, deconstructing, deconstructing your faith a little bit. It really helped to kind of bring that momentum into into the into the Christian universe. And talk about the mistake of your life and, and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, I, I remember in Blue Like Jazz, he was sort of fantasizing on what kind of Christian he would be. And it wasn't even the kind of Christian that any of us would really admit that we want to be. But he imagined himself as like a, you know, really cool guy like James Dean on a motorcycle, you know. <laughs> and he's, he's that kind of cool Christian. And the girl says to him, you know, why do you Christians think that you have a monopoly on the truth and then he jumps on his motorcycle and says that's just the way it is baby and then like drives out of there you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just to think about stuff like that and I'm like oh so it follow up here searching for god knows what completely different kind of book but lovely in so many ways did you ever get to read this one i have not all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce you to this uh uh to this concept from chapter eight called The Lifeboat Theory, subtitled How to Kill Your Neighbor. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. All right, so uh, he remembers when he was a kid in elementary school, uh, his teacher, uh, Mrs. Wunsch, asked the class a question, uh, and he's come back to this many times. It's a moral question, okay? Think about this. In elementary school, you're asked this. If there were a lifeboat adrift at sea, and in the lifeboat were a male lawyer, a female doctor, a crippled child, a stay-at-home mom, and a garbage man, and one person had to be thrown overboard to save the others, which person would we choose? 
And he doesn't remember. He says, maybe, maybe we ended up throwing the lawyer out. But the point is um, that they all had this idea of uh, this idea that some people have intrinsic value or some people have more intrinsic value than other people have. Mm-hmm. The idea that all people are equal never came up. You know, and I think because when you ask people a question like who has to be thrown out, mm-hmm. um, we think the rules of the game are someone must be thrown out. Right. We, we never stop to say, well, no, I'll just change the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone can survive. Yeah. OK, so he goes on to say that, uh, you know, we sort of live this way in our normal lives. We sort of deep inside ourselves think that we're going to be booted out of the human race or out of community, right? Uh, And I think we're all sort of afraid that that we'll be kicked out of the communities that we're in. Um, But I'll just just, uh, read you one paragraph that sort of sums this up. He says, the thing is, if people are in a lifeboat, the reason they feel passionately about being a good person and all is because if they aren't, they're going to be thrown overboard. They are going to be killed. I realize that sounds grim, but I kept comparing in my mind the conversation that might take place in a lifeboat with the conversations I heard in daily life. Because when you really think about it, these wants we have, like wanting to be right, wanting to be good, wanting to be perceived as humble, wanting to be important to people, and wanting to be loved or feel perilous, as though by not getting them, something terrible is going to happen. We sort of feel, wow, I don't know if we can put our finger on what the terrible thing is. Maybe it's rejection from family. Maybe it's rejection from the people that we want to accept us and think that we're cool. Uh, Maybe it's just uh, this idea of just wanting to be acceptable to anyone, even the people out there in the extended world of our Facebook, you know, our Facebook friend list, you know. Um, We feel that, we might get kicked out of that group somehow. So if you listen to what people are doing, that's what's the cool thing about this chapter is it sort of makes you start listening to what people are saying. You know, <clears throat> people are generally selling themselves uh, to get you to believe that they have value. And I do it, and I'm acutely aware of it at all times. Mm-hmm. I'm also listening <laughs> for other people doing it. <laughs> so this. Started. So when I was reading this book, a really bad time for me to read this book was uh, it was coming up on the 10-year um, high school reunion for me, right? This yeah. book came out in 2004, so 2005 would have been my 10-year high school reunion. And uh, so I am reading this book about how, yeah, people are always sort of selling themselves and they, they, you know, they always want to put forward what they have, either I'm good looking or – I'm good at my career or I have education or I am acceptable in some way and should be acceptable to you and to the community. So I show up to my high school reunion with this in mind thinking I'm going to listen for how people are always selling themselves. And man, what conversations happen at a 10 year high school reunion? Obviously everybody's doing what? Comparing. Yeah. Just comparing and just talking and talking about how, listen, Ten years after high school, I'm successful. You know, <laughs> to prove that to prove that I'm not a loser. But a little bit of it is like, why? 
I don't, I don't know that I've really been able to answer that. Like, why do I have to walk into a room and get everyone in there to believe that I'm a good high school teacher? <laughs> why do I have to do that? Yeah. But I feel so often that I have to do that. It's, it's the Romy, it's the Romy and Michelle moment. Have you ever seen that movie? Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, man. Um, it's the, it's like, I invented post-its. It's like, you what? Like, <laughs> wait, if anybody needs to make a phone call, I have a phone, you know, and she pulls out her cell phone. Yeah. Like, that's her sign of success. Like I have a cell phone. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, it's that totally true. So, I have been, I've become, usually people are good at normal life. And a lot of the ways that we uh, sort of prove that we shouldn't be thrown out or to say like, look, I, I have something to offer to the community. Like, uh, you know, uh, I'm a doctor, I can heal people. You know, I'm a psychologist, I can, I can heal people in, in another way, you know, mentally. Uh, for me, it's like, you know, uh, I'm a teacher, I can, you know, instruct your kids on, on some, some basic things, you know, I don't even know if it's stuff that people really want you know it's english and theater i mean who who wants it right <laughs> but uh you know but but you you know someone might say listen i'm a mechanic i can do this i can do that you know but we're also going like look you know i i'm pretty or i'm funny or mm -hmm. i'm a good dad mm -hmm. you know or, or you know and you know you really want to get crazy just jump online and and scroll down your newsfeed and look at how many posts are really just about saying i'm a good parent yeah there's a there's a lot right like i do them you know every time i post a picture of me and my kids doing something together i stop and say hey am i doing this because you know i really want to share my lives with people i care about or am i doing this because i just want everybody out there in the ether to think that i'm a good dad and therefore have value Right. Yeah. And, you know, the reality of it is, like, I think there is something um, in, internal about comparing. I mean, it, even when we look at scripture, right? Um, Cain and Abel is the first evidence of that, right? When you see them comparing their offering, right? There, there's something like we have something that we want to get approval. We want to be um, we want to be known as 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 bringing something good to the table. And so everybody has that and when they the reality of it is is that because we we know that we're thinking that about other people like we want to know we automatically believe they're thinking that about me too right right and so so we have this comparison that we always want to throw out and the re, and because we want because we know that we're thinking about that about them so they must be thinking that about us so we instantly put up that we got to show right away who we are, what we've created, what we've, what we've invented, what we've, you know, like, like, look at the, look at the kids we're raising, look at my family, look at my paycheck, look at my car, look at my clothes, look at my haircut, look at my yeah. beard, right? Like, it's like, we're always yeah. doing that. And it's just, I mean, it's an internal thing that it, it and I, and it, the root of it, I mean, really is sin, man. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a, it was never meant to be that, but because of the fact that we want to say that maybe we have more worth than somebody else, maybe we have more, we've brought something, uh, better value to the table, um, a better offering, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, well, it, I don't know, man. It's just, we, we, we weren't meant to do it, but we do it. 
Do you think that there's a, a little bit of indirect sort of work righteousness going on here that like if I do well in my life and I'm valuable to the human race, then maybe God must accept me? Um, I think that really all depends on, on theology. Um, I think yeah. that it depends on how people view God. I think that it's your understanding of God. And, and it goes into the... It's how the the um, parable of the prodigal son is taught, right? Um, right. Because ultimately, like that was how Jesus was trying to really tell people, like, look, like you can't do anything. Like you you don't need to do anything because because even when the son was coming back with and he had this whole like story written out, this like this letter that he was going to basically read to apologize to his dad. And his dad stopped yeah. him before he could say anything. You know, I, I yeah. always I always compare it to that like um, moment in a in a movie when somebody's trying to say something and somebody just puts their finger up to their lips right away and goes shh, like like don't say anything shh. You know, like like you, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You know, like I kind of picture that with like the dad yeah. and the son. Like like I know like I know you want to apologize. You want to make up for whatever. Yeah. You want to make me. You want that. Um, I don't want to hear it because you're still my son and I'm going to clothe you with the best robe. I'm going to put the right ring on your finger. I'm going to make, I'm going to do a big celebration. And so that story is that demonstration of who God is. And if we can embrace that story for what it really is for us, then it really is easier for us. Not to say that it won't happen because we will, because of our sinful nature and because of the fact that we're still here on this earth, we will still fall into a comparison trap. But if we can yeah. continue to remember who God is for us and who Jesus is for us and that reconciliation piece that where we are now, we no longer have to fight or show what we have to offer. Because it, ultimately in the Jewish tradition, in the Hebrew tradition, when they were bringing offering to the table on um, you know, the special holidays and special um, times of, of offering a sacrifice in order to be cleansed, um, you know, it was well. How good of an offering are you bringing? Like, you know, do you have a do you have a calf, or do you just have some um, some 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 lowly birds that are going to be nothing really to us? You know, like what do you have? Yeah. And so there's always that comparison of offering. And Jesus is like, we no longer have to worry about that because the offering that's been brought is Jesus. So that offering being brought now is an equal offering for everybody, right? Everybody has that offering now. Yeah. Everybody has been cleansed because of that offering. So now we don't have to compare what we're bringing to the altar because Jesus went to it. And so now if we can embrace that story, if we can embrace that truth, then it makes it a little bit easier for us to say, I'm not doing this for recognition. I'm not doing this to have my ego stroked and I'm not, and I don't need to do this to be recognized as a good yeah. dad or a good a good parent or a good um a good worker or whatever or am I am I pretty enough am I not you know because God's like you don't have to earn anything with me so yeah yeah so so I don't I think it's more of a um I think it's more of a human thing for for a lot of us it, it's not necessarily a works righteousness thing I think it's just more of a we want people yeah. to know that if we were to be trapped on an island, I have a value. Like, don't don't throw me off the island. Yeah, we're 
there was a, and I think you're right, actually. That's a great answer. I, I actually think that there was a time when we were all trapped on an island and we learned to do this comparing. And you know when that was? That was middle school. And <laughs> if, you about, if you think about what's going on in middle school, all right, that is the sexual awakening of every human being, right, in that time. That's puberty, you know? Yeah. That's when you become aware that, you know, girls are a thing, and that's when you become aware of, you know, uh, physical attractions, and then all of a sudden it becomes so important to compare yourself to other people, and you, you watch what people are doing. It's sort of like they're they're either lifting themselves up or putting others down uh, in order to fit in with the group. But the fitting in with the group, I'm convinced, is all about um, this idea that I want the people I'm attracted to to, to like me back, right? Mm-hmm. You know. I'm not saying everybody's trying to get married in middle school. I'm just saying that that's where it starts. You know, if a guy makes fun of another guy, he doesn't realize why he's doing it, but he's doing it to say, "I'm the better guy. Look at me." You know, <laughs> hey, you know, in high school, ladies, remember this is the cool guy. You're going to prom with me. You know, right? Yeah. And that little things, little things really get you to to fit into the group in middle school. You know, um, it can just be as simple as clothes or shoes or hair. But you know, every middle schooler has this sort of sixth sense about there's a guy who doesn't know what the cool hair is. Mm-hmm. Unacceptable, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think I think we start doing it there, and we we keep a little of it with us, you know. Um, but you put us in a situation where, you know, we're scared and the rules have changed and it does feel life or death. You know, there are days where the coronavirus pandemic, it feels life or death. I mean, when you look at the death count um, and there are people that I don't even think they know that they're doing it. They're just seizing upon the opportunity to say, look, I'm acceptable. I'm doing what I do for the health of the human race, for the greater good. Therefore, keep me. Don't let me die. Mm-hmm. You know, keep yeah. being my friend. Look at look at how great I am because I've only gone to the. I haven't been to the store since March 14th. You know, yeah. and uh, or you know, check this out. And I, I've seen a little of that going on, and um, it kind of frustrates me because I know. It's the beginnings of us turning on each other. And some people on social media are not subtle about it at all. They have full on turned on somebody, talking about the things that they see people do out there uh, that are wrong. And I get it. It's like there are things that people should not be hanging around in big groups on the streets, you know. I mean, even the Clarksburg City Police got on Facebook Live today and said, listen, guys, six feet and please, no big groups, you know. And they didn't really come out and say it, but they, but you could tell that they were seeing big groups out there. But I will see people come home and talk about all of the rule violations that they saw out in public that day, post that on social media. And there's just a little part of me that goes, what are they doing? Are they trying to get us to understand that, you know, they're acceptable, that they're part of this human race and we shouldn't throw them on the lifeboat? Mm. Yeah, I think that um... – I agree that there's that there is that potential of people who are being like that, and I and I and I can definitely see that. I think there are those who are very arrogant about their thought process in regards to, um, you know, well, look at me, I've been staying home for this long. But there are some people saying, like, look, like I've been staying home at this long because 
So it kind of goes into our um, conversation though a little bit about like about rule following, right? Um, because yeah. and because there are some people who say like, look, like this is a rule that's been placed in for, before us that in order to help kind of either eradicate or to um, lower the potential of this virus killing more people or taking taking over the hospitals, what we should be doing is this. And these rules have been placed for a reason. And so some people are acknowledging those rules and saying, hey, look, we want to follow these rules. And so they post that on social media saying, look, I'm following these rules. And the reason I'm following these rules is that way we can get out of this quicker. You choose yeah. not to follow these rules, which is making me have to follow the rules even harder and longer. And it's, yeah. and it's frustrating. And so, yeah. you know, so there is that tension of people saying these things because they want to go ahead and say, look at me, I'm great. But then at the same time, there's also those people saying it because it's like, dude, I don't want to be doing this anymore, but I'm doing it because I want this to be done, but you're not listening. So now because of that, I have yeah. to keep following the rules. Why do you not? Um, it, the, and those are the kind of people who you look at going, um, dude, you had no consequences when you were a kid. You know what I mean? Or, or, yeah. or you're the one that cut, I guess that's true, yeah. like you're the one that yeah. cut in line at the, at the water fountain time. Like when you're standing in line and your teacher says, this is where you stand. And you're like, nope, I'm going to go ahead and cut. And you're like, wait a second, I stood in line. I shouldn't be losing my water time because you decided to cut line because you couldn't, you couldn't wait, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so, and then you start saying to yourself, like, and those are the people that now you're going like, because of you not willing to stay in line and follow the rules, I'm not going to be able to get my water on time or I'm not going to be able to get out and start working on time because you're not following the rules. Yeah. So, so there's that end, which, which is a lot of times. Yeah, there's like, when I get that, cause it's like, you know, that, that frustration for that man, I sympathize with people are coming from, from that angle. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's comparable to my frustration with people like hoarding at the first sign of, of a disaster, you know, yeah. it's like, they're sort of moving, they're sort of moving to the front of the line. And what they're doing is taking resources that could be shared. Um, if they wanted to be prepared, they should have done so long time before, you know? Yeah. And, but, but then to go to, to your thing though, is that, um, just because you're mad at somebody for cutting line or for not following the rules, uh, doesn't mean that they don't belong on the boat. Right. Um, yeah, because I had a friend ranting about it and I had a friend ranting about it in his job and I was just thinking, man, you need to journal. Yeah, you just need to journal because you're just ranting and we, over some very specific things that happened, <laughs> done by people that we will never meet. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I think that we have to be we have to be wise about how we're how we are doing this because, um, yeah, the reality of it is, like you said, like we are all in this boat together. We we really are, um, and. There is there there are some articles out there like yeah we're all in the same boat but we're all in different places on the boat right um like there are some people who are yeah. they're on this boat but they're still getting the the top the top seat on the boat you know and they're still being taken care of you know and then there's others it's like the Titanic oh, it's yeah. a, it's a Titanic Titanic image right you're you're on a boat that's yeah. that's it just hit an iceberg but there's people who are poverty stricken and they're stuck they're stuck in cages at the bottom of the boat because they don't belong at the top and yeah they're stuck in the bottom and, and and for them there's no like waiting this thing out it's like the water's filling up like they don't they don't have an income right now you know yeah and then and, and they have no opportunity to jump on a lifeboat you know so it's like it's just a it's 
we have to figure out like how to address our concerns and address our frustrations without making it seem like just because you're not following the rules doesn't mean that you don't like like I said you don't belong on the boat it's like you you have a place still you just have to start figuring out how to quit being selfish yeah I gotcha well this stuff gets into your head this is a little bit uh, off the subject but I think it maybe it's time to transition to some other stuff but I saw a guy uh, when I was when I was uh, out driving around the other day I saw a guy who had a surgical mask on Mm -hmm. he was riding a motorcycle but no helmet Ooh. Yeah, dude. So he he has already. I guess he's. I'm trying to. I wish I could know what was going on in his mind. Like you know, I guess he's chosen how he wants to die. I guess. You know? <laughs> Safety never takes a day off when it comes to a virus, but when it comes to hitting a bump on the road, yeah. it's like, nah, I'm okay with that. Uh, or just getting hit by a car or something. But <laughs> I I want to say that does seem very hardcore to me still like to say like i want to die flying off this motorcycle instantly of head trauma i do not want to die of an illness <laughs> or what's going to happen is it'll be a it'll be one of those things that we're talking about he's gonna be like look mm-hmm. i may like his family's gonna be like look he may have died of a head trauma but um at least he was doing his part and he had a mask on and you know, there are a bunch of people, there's a bunch of people who didn't do that. And he, you know, look how great he was. Well, I think those are the people I'm complaining about. And, (laughs) and, and I realized that I realized that me pointing the finger at them saying, look at what they're doing is still in the lifeboat metaphor. You know, like here I am telling you who I'd like to be thrown out of the lifeboat. You see, there's almost no escape from it except to the answer is in what you said last week. You know, um, the, the right thing to do if you're faced with the dilemma of someone must die is to be like Jesus to step it up and say, it will be me. Right. That's the only way out. You have to, you can't just flip the script, uh, you know, in our earthly sort of way, you have to flip the script in, in the Jesus way and say, listen, I'm going, you know, cool thing is we don't have to, he did that. Yeah. He did that for us. So, well, I just wanted to ask you, Bobby, uh, since I came up with these topics this week, uh, what are you doing to, uh, stay sane, um, (laughs) outside of, you know, since you, since your normal routine has been taken away from you, I realize you and I are both busy being a pastor and a teacher and parents Mm -hmm. that, uh, there's always stuff to do. People are telling me they're bored and uh, I kind of feel bad. I, I haven't even got started yet. You know, like <laughs> I've, I, I, I'm nowhere near exhausting the wonderful things I have to do all day. Um, so, um, and I, think, and I think it's because um, a lot of the stuff I like to do uh, is done at home. I'm not an introvert, but being at home is a luxury for me, you right. know, um, being able to read books, um, being able to go on hikes um, I feel pretty good personally, mentally, but I do miss everybody. And that part drives me a little bit crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, I was just on a Zoom call with some pastors that I normally meet with here in Elkins. Um, we normally would have lunch or coffee or something like that and just to chat. And we did, yeah. like, we did a little Zoom meeting. And... Right there, the stuff that, that's kind of driving me crazy is the sort of missing out on, missing out on that, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so to answer that question, though, like what I'm doing to stay sane, like honestly, <laughs> um, however weird it may sound, getting on those um, the justice reports and being able to just kind of make people laugh and make little and make little snarky remarks. Yeah, that's actually a way for me to remain sane because I'm able to keep making people laugh. Um, you know, yeah. it's. I, like not to, and I'm not saying this to be the people that you're complaining about, but honestly, like, I haven't really been out of the house very much either. I took my wife's, um, I took my car to the, to the shop, um, and took my wife's car to the shop, uh, to get some work yeah. done, um, and then uh, brought them back. I've been to the grocery store maybe two or three times, and then I I went to the bank. Yeah. I went to the bank, um, and I stayed in the drive-through. So it wasn't like I've I've gone. I haven't gone anywhere and. Really, it's because I'm, I'm, I just, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not substitute teaching in all the places that I would go when I'm not substitute teaching are closed. So I really have no choice right now. Um, so You're you go outside, I feel like some people just aren't going outside, which when I understand that's okay to do. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. We go outside we play in the yard when, you know, with the past couple of days we haven't been able to because of the weather. But um, but yeah, we we've been yeah. we've been going out playing in the yard. Um, the other day, actually, my we have a giant uh, ninja turtle, and I was pretending to be a, a zombie pirate ninja turtle, and they were throwing pine cones at it and shooting bows and arrows, you know. So, um, you know, just we just go out and do that and just have some fun. Um, you know, we we get them on their bikes and maybe we'll go around the go around the community we're in, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you know, it's just. We're we're trying to make the best of it as much as we can, you know. It's 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 weird though because it's like, you know, we we aren't going anywhere where you can go hiking because I'm seeing a lot of people are going hiking and I feel like the social distancing and hiking is kind of being taken away, um, because I see uh, so I, I see people are people are out on the trails and stuff. Yeah, there's so many people there. I see all the cars parked. I'm like, oh, I'm not even gonna risk that, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously parks are out of the question, you know, at this at this moment. So it's like. You just we have well, with small children. There, with small children, there's no way to let them see a playground and tell them they can't be on it. So it's very hard, you know. Yeah, so we have our playset here, and we're we're contemplating doing some other things, and just you know, it's it you know we've got some projects that we're trying to get done, and um, there's some things I've like yeah. kind of delayed because I know that if I get them done, then it's gonna be the last bit and I won't have anything else to do. <laughs> so it's like, I got, so I'm kind of like taking slow bits of, and, and taking slow bites of it, you know, but, um, I, I got to finish, yeah. right, I got to finish my first draft of my book. Um, so, or my, my third yeah, book. So, um, hopefully we'll, yeah. when, when I start getting that feedback in, I can start the second draft and then get that in editing and all that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so those are those little things that I'm able to get done. Good. Well, um, for me, uh, you know, I'm I'm keeping busy with similar kinds of projects, and I'm I'm a I build, I paint, I do things that my wife and daughter want me to do. Yeah. And uh, they they always have they always have some list of projects for me, which uh, is kind of a blessing in a in a time like this, but. Um, I just want to recommend to Christians that they might take this opportunity uh, to get into the rhythm of the day. You know, we uh, through like uh, consider this Christians the canonical hours of prayer. Okay, um, you know uh, the monks. Uh, I say the monks like that was one group of people. Monks throughout the centuries have decided to 
pray uh, maybe hourly or for some people it's like three times a day, something like that. Short prayers, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just done. This is done through maybe like a, a liturgy, like a liturgical guide of some kind, you know, um, you know, Catholics publish this uh, liturgical calendar every year that kind of gives you a focus for what to read and pray and sing each day. And that's too rigid for some people, but uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt now to rise up in the morning, you know, uh, talk to God, even if you kind of get like a guide to, to sort of take you through that. Um, and then, uh, you know, take a little pause from that, do your work and then, you know, lunchtime or, or before or after, you know, talk to God again. And, you know, perhaps even a little guided prayer. This is something that, you know, I, I don't know that the Protestant churches get into as much. Some do, you know, mm-hmm. Methodist churches do, um, you know, Lutheran churches do, but the, the church traditions I grew up in, like evangelical, they t- sort of took pride, you know, Baptist churches took pride in not doing stuff like that. Like when, when I talk to God, it's just talking to God. But I would actually say that, um, you kind of take this opportunity to, to be a bit of a monk and, and get into these sort of canonical hours of prayer. Um, you can really find that, you know, you're into the rhythm of the day with God. It might be something that if you start it now uh, can last uh, when we go back to our busy lives and get back into our work days, you know, when this, when this thing's finally over, you know? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I have, um, there's a, a book that I, I started reading um, probably a few months back and I kind of put it down. I haven't gotten back to it, but it was, it was talking about the, the value of the liturgical year and like what it really looks like and how, and how yeah. to really be kind of following along. And it has some good prayers. And of course there's the book of common prayer that, um, I think Shane Claiborne kind of yeah. came out with theirs, you know, and, um, yeah. And Jonathan Wilkinsgrove. And, um, that's one that I uh, highly recommend to people. And, uh, I've been reading that one for probably about three years now. And, um, I don't, I don't, uh, do it every day. Um, I wish I could, you know, do it every day, but, uh, you know, I get, I get distracted by life, you know, yeah. at a time like this though, you know, it's, it's Holy week. And, you know, today was a day called the uh, Maundy Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, I just read through the liturgy of it and some of the things to, to sort of focus on it. It sort of takes you out of that, that prayer trap that we all, when we say, listen, I, when I pray, I just talk to God. Not everybody is super good at that because what happens is usually fall into this trap of just telling God what you need or what you're worried about. And that's all. And that's, you do need to say that stuff to God, but you know, what about those things that sort of focus on some of the the higher concepts of like, you know, who God is or what he taught us or how Jesus wanted us to live, you know? And sometimes when you read a little bit of a liturgy, you know, you read a, uh, Bible verse and you read a Psalm and you read a new Testament story and then you read a quote by like a, you know, a someone in church history, it kind of takes your mind out of that thing of like, uh, Oh God, give me this one thing that I'm praying for today that I need, you know, this earthly thing that I, you know, we do need that stuff. That's how God, you know, provides for us. But, you know, we got to think about him and we got to think about some of these, these higher things sometimes, you know, yeah. get ourselves out of that, that mental and spiritual trap, you know, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Looks like we're getting close to time here. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's um yeah, we're at yep, we are. That's a it's a good conversation, man. Time flew by, it feels like. Um Yeah. We we wanna talk about another topic, but maybe we'll wait till next week to talk about that, I think. Um 
Because yeah, I mean, we'll still be pregnant, so we're going to talk about, um, you know, people being out of work, and uh, that's a hard thing. Maybe we'll touch on that next week. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, this is this is great, dude. I've I've enjoyed this conversation, especially the, um, the comparison, the the stuff that we were talking about, the lifeboat um, mentality. That was good. Um, makes you think. Yeah, well, let me. You said, I guess my final thought on that, if I have to qualify all of that, is not to say uh, don't do that or don't make those posts. I think it's uh, examine your own heart when you do. I mean, is this coming from a place of judgment where you, you lift yourself up, you're starting to turn on your fellow man, or is it coming from a place like more like what you described? Is this a place of love? And I'm just trying to get people to cooperate here so that we can um, all be healthy and that we can all survive. Yeah. Yeah, motiv- motivation is key. Like, what are, what are your motives? Um, I think, yeah. you know, there's a lot that can be said. And I think that, um, you know, when we start, what, we got to be careful in what kind of comparison we start to do. Um, you know, ultimately, we can go into the very end of Jesus' um, time with, with the disciples. He just got done, you know, when he gets done talking to Peter, you know, feeding the fish and all that stuff, you know, and kind of saying, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, you know, when he's walking back with Peter and Peter turns around and sees John and says, hey, what, but what about him? And Jesus is like, what does that matter to you? Like, like, what's it to you? If I tell him I want to, if I, if I want to keep him here until I return, what's that to you? You yeah. do, you do what I called you to do. And I think that, um, again, like this is where, you know, Peter is like, well, wait a second, but what about them? Like, like, okay, you just challenged me to do something, but what about them? And she's like, just do what you're supposed to do, right? And and I think that ultimately for us, like when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, then that's all we can really do, right? We can't control what other people do. We want to. No. We want to tell them, look, do this because it's going to make you better. But we cannot control what they're going to do. We can only control what we're going to do. We control our actions. We can't control yeah. We can't control how they act. We only control how we react. We can only control how we act. We can't control how they react to our actions. So we have to make sure that we're following what we can do, do what we're called to do, do how we're led to do, and just and just move forward. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. This is not fun. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, and we are going to be able to embrace again, worship again, have fun again, do everything we're supposed to do, um, just just got to make sure we're doing what we got to do to, to keep each other safe. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, Hey, again, I yeah. always appreciate our conversations. It's been a good time. Yes. Same here, man. Well, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey, you have been listening to the Frank it says podcast. I'm Bobby. I'm Jared. And, um, again, if you like what we're hearing or like what you're hearing, we like what we're hearing, but if you like what you're hearing, um, leave a leave a little comment. Let us know. Uh, rate us. Share us. Let people know about our podcast because the more people getting involved in the conversation with us, the more people listening, the better. So, um, again, thanks a lot for listening to Frank It Says Podcast. We will talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>